And we're starting to see a change in Peter today. See if you can notice it. Actually, it started last week. Once he denied Christ and Jesus confronted him and restored him, we're starting to see a change in Peter. And it's thrilling because that same change can take place in your life and my life and should be taking place if you're a believer. So as we open now this last passage in John chapter 21, I want you to see that Jesus knows your future. Now, we struggle, we ask questions, we wonder what's going to happen with this or that or the other. Jesus knows your future. Now, Jesus has talked to Peter, and he's given Peter, he's told him about his future, he's going to tell him about his lifelong service or what he's going to be doing, but now he talks to Peter about his death. Now, how would you like for someone to tell you how you are going to die somewhere down the road? This just has to be a shock to Peter. For Peter, his future includes two things. Serving the Lord, shepherding the, the sheep, God's people, and Peter's thinking, okay, that's great, I'm, I, I want to do that, I'm ready for that. But then Jesus says, your future involves dying for Christ in a very painful way. Now let's pick it up with verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and bring you where you do not wish to go. The NIV says, I tell you the truth. I like that translation there. When you were young, Peter, it's great to be young. You can go where you want, do what you want to do. Your whole life's ahead of you. You can dress, you can eat, you can go. It's great. But if the Lord wills, some of us will get old. And when you get old, you don't have as much control. Many times someone else will dress you. Someone else will tell you where to go. That's going to be part of Peter's future. All right, verse 20. I'm going to skip 19 for now. Come back to it. Verse 20. So Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, most likely John, who wrote this gospel. He saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So John must have heard the conversation between Jesus and Peter and what's going to happen to Peter. Now, it's great to have a whole Bible and be able to look back on someone's life and be able to tell them what they did right and what they did wrong. I'm so thankful that my life isn't in this Bible because I have, I have plenty of people now telling me what I do wrong. I don't need the whole world reading the Bible about what I do wrong. But part of my job this morning is to address those issues, and I think Peter would encourage me in it. Here's the problem that Peter has right now, and all of us follow into it. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, and he looked at John. Now, we all do that. And the moment we do that, and that's why I've been talking about unity and peace and things like that with all that's going on in the world today, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus first. All these other things that are going on around us are secondary and third and fourth. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. The moment Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at his circumstances, in this case, John, he starts to get in trouble again. So whatever you think about someone else, 
Think first about yourself. Think first about yourself. Now look at verse 21. So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Now that was a very foolish thing for Peter to do. And we all do these kind of things. So Peter's restored, but he's still Peter. So Jesus corrects Peter again. As I said when we started this series, Jesus corrects Peter more than any other disciple. Peter corrects Jesus more than any other disciple. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus talked about his own death, and Peter said, No way, Lord, I will not let you die. And Peter failed. So Peter looks around now, and he sees his lifelong pal, John, probably his best friend. He said, okay, Lord, you told me that I'm going to die. You told me how I'm going to die. What's going to happen to John over here? If I have to die, John has to die too, so what's going to go on with John? And if I can quote my daughter when she was this high and a young teenager, what is he saying? Peter is saying, that's not fair. That's what he's saying right here. Now, John, of all the disciples, was the one who behaved in the most honorable way. He was at the cross when the others ran away. He stayed with Jesus through the trial. John stayed in the courtyard. But what Peter's doing is a big problem for us today. How would it be a problem for us? Well, Lord, how come he can afford a new car? Lord, why did she get a pay raise? Lord, why does he have a nice family? Why does she have great health when I don't have great health? What's the answer to that? We must learn not to compare ourselves to other Christians and other people. And that's hard. And I struggle with it too. And the moment I start getting my eyes off of Christ and looking at someone else and their circumstances, I start to fall and I start to go down just like Peter. So Jesus is talking to him about death. He's shocked. Now what you and I must do, all of us must deal with this question of death. In China, they're burning Bibles. They're burning churches to the ground. I've been told in some countries they're making people sign pledges that they're not believers. They're not Christians. Now, once you settle this question of death in your life and my life, well, then we're ready to live. Because it doesn't matter how we die. We've worked our way through it. Now we're ready to live. Notice verse 22. Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Just look at the first part. Jesus said to him, if I want. Now, folks, that should give us great comfort today. You may die young. You may live to be 100 years old. You may suffer just like Jesus suffered. But notice what he said. If I want him to remain until I come back. And Jesus says it in such a casual way, such a relaxed way. It's just a fact. No one there is surprised. No one questions Jesus' ability to do this. So what can we learn from that? You have a life path, 
and your life path is prepared by the Lord. Absolutely. I've been reading through uh, Proverbs, and this word path keeps coming up over and over again. So I started working on putting some message together out of Proverbs focused around that word, the word path. Each and every one of us has a life path that is prepared by God. So what that means is go. You trust the Lord, go, live it, enjoy it, work, serve Him, go with it. All of your joys, your disappointments, your heartaches, your smiles, your circumstances, they're all part of that path. Now, we don't know anything about our death, the how, the why, the when. Will it be old age, a car wreck, a heart attack, cancer? We don't know. But what this verse tells us It's going to be just like the Lord wants it to be. I've heard about people that wanted to die in church. I've heard about people that have died in church. To me, that sounds great because you're in God's house here. You die that very moment you're in God's house in heaven. I don't think you could beat that. That sounds like a pretty good idea to me. But notice what power is in the words of Jesus here. Jesus is going to determine the time, the date, the circumstances, and the way that you will die. So, what's going to happen? How is it going to be determined? It's going to be determined by your character, which means how you live, and your service to the Lord. Both of those are going to be involved. Notice verse 22, what he says at the the end. If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? What's he say? You follow me. Now, verse 19, he said, follow me. Now he's making it much more personal. He's becoming more of a preacher because preachers make things personal. You follow me. Now, in the history of Peter and Jesus, there's a long history with these words, follow me. So when Jesus said that to Peter... I imagine that Peter starts thinking about the past. And when he, when he met Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 4, and they were fishing, and Peter didn't know a lot, and Jesus said, follow me. Well, Peter's gotten off track. Jesus is trying to get him back on track. And we all get off track. We all get messed up. We get mad. We get disappointed. We get hurt. Follow me. And there's going to be times when I get off track. But hopefully, we'll, you'll be there to put me back on my track. We all work together in this thing. None of us are perfect here. We all need John to help bring us back. We all need the rest of the disciples, the other elders, the other deacons to help us get back on track. So now Peter hears this command again from Jesus, follow me. But Jesus, once again, is correcting Peter. So he's very strong. He's very clear here. You have one job, Peter. You have one duty. You have one responsibility. Follow me. So when John said, well, Peter said, well, what about John? What's Jesus saying there? Peter, you have enough trouble keeping up with your life without having to keep up with John or somebody else in this church. Peter, you follow me. You do what I tell you to do, Peter. Let me take care of John. So in other words, I'll be nice about it. Peter, it's none of your business what I do with John. 
And that's so true. It's none of my business if someone else has better health and a nicer home and two or three times the income that I have. That's between that person and the Lord. It's not my business. So as hard as this is, and I'm talking to myself, we just cannot look at other Christians and compare ourselves to them. If you do, you're either going to get proud because you think you're better or you're going to get discouraged because you're not there yet. So, Lord, Peter, I want you to keep your eye on me. So I can't help but wonder, is Peter, is there a little jealousy going on here with John? Is there a little competition, rivalry going on here? Now, at this moment, Peter sounds like the old Peter, not the new Peter. He doesn't sound like the rock that's going to lead the church in the New Testament. But what the Lord has given Peter is the solution to a problem we all have. This is the solution for competition, envy, jealousy. Follow me. Now, we've said that several times. Jesus said it. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It isn't just the way you dress or the way you eat, what you eat or what you drink. It means living the way he lived, deals with the heart, and Jesus gives us the definition. So I'm going to go back to Mark chapter 8, because Jesus tells us what it means in Mark chapter 8. Now remember, when you read Mark, Mark very well may be the gospel of Peter. You can, you can see Peter in Mark. It's full of action, just like Peter. So Mark very well may be the gospel according to Peter. So I'm going to pick it up with 834 where we read these words. And he, Jesus, summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, three things here, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So first thing it means to, to follow Jesus is to self-denial. Now that's hard. It's hard for me. It's always hard. Number two, Take up your cross to serve. Now, the cross was a painful instrument of death, and your life at times is going to include pain and suffering. Much of that involved when you try to serve God and serve His people, and His people will hurt you from time to time. The world will hurt you at times. So you take up the cross to serve. Hebrews 12, 1 tells us that Jesus is the perfect example of self-denial. So as Jesus says this to Peter, as Jesus talks to Peter, Jesus has just come from his own submitting. He submitted to the Father in the cross. So Jesus has a lot of room through his just living out his life to say to Peter, I did it, now you need to do it. So what do you do? You pray, you submit to God's will, you serve, and at times you may suffer, which means obey. So God has a different path for each and every one of us here today. John and Peter were best friends, but they were very, very different men and different personalities. It means that you yield to the Lord's will. It means that you aren't disturbed or depressed by circumstances or other Christians. 
you realize how many times other Christians can discourage you? It happens. But you're not discouraged by them or your own circumstances. So don't let anyone or anything keep you from following Christ. I was thinking about a, a lady in uh, my life uh, many, many years ago. Married, uh, committed Christian, no doubt in my mind. She's a believer, no doubt at all. This, this woman had the ability to put a smile on my face whenever I was around her, and no matter what my circumstances, no matter how down I was, she could put a smile on my face. And she started changing, and we didn't know what was going on. Then we found out that she had been involved with another man. And that woman was in church every Sunday, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, special events, you name it, she was there. We started changing, and once she got involved with this other man, started drifting away. And there's been times where she has hinted that she has regrets, and she's not involved like she was before. Still a believer, no doubt in my mind a believer. But that's what can happen when we get our eyes off of Christ. We can be pulled aside, we can become discouraged, we can become depressed, this means we cannot let that happen, folks. So how God works in other people, John, Peter, is his business, not my business. Now, there are a lot of things that you will never know, but there are some things that we don't need to know. So in verse 22, Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, John was the last living apostle, but he did die. So Peter, you will follow me to the cross because church tradition, church history has told us that Peter was crucified. Don't find it in the Bible, but it, tradition has told us that. John is already following Jesus. So the way John serves me, Peter, is going to be very different from the way you serve me. Now, Jesus did not tell Peter or John, what would happen to John? He didn't answer that question. So what does Christ have for Peter? What's ahead for Peter? Peter is going to be the apostle to hurting people. Now, can he comfort hurting people if he hasn't suffered himself? Now, the answer is yes, he can. But he's going to be able to minister to hurting people in a much better, deeper way if he's been through trials himself. He can look at them and say, I know what you're going through. So Jesus has told Peter how he will die, and this isn't what Peter would have chosen for himself. That's not the way I want to go, Lord, but God decides. And Peter learned to live with this fact. And I can only imagine, as I mentioned last Sunday, I think Peter's okay with it during the day. He's busy. He's working with people. He's engaged. But at night, when he's in bed and it's quiet and it's dark and he's alone, 
before he goes to sleep. I, I can only imagine that he hears the words of Jesus year after year. Peter, you're going to die for me, and you're going to die a very painful death. So the shadow of the cross hung over Peter for the rest of his life. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's kind of tough. Well, remember, the Lord knows what Peter needs. And the Lord knows what you need and what I need. Peter is a very headstrong man. And this headstrong man needs to be humbled. And folks, we all need to be humbled. And if you, I hope that you are on the way, that you are on the path to being humbled. Why does Peter need to be humbled? So that he can be an even better man, a more Christ-like man, so he can become Peter the Rock that we're going to visit soon in the weeks to come. So did he? Did he follow Jesus? Jesus said, follow me. Did Peter do that? Well, I'm going to go to the book of 1 Peter. Now, in 1 Peter, we have, 1 Peter was written somewhere 64, 68 A.D. So Jesus and Peter in the, in the Gospels, you're probably somewhere around a, a 30 A.D. So Peter is pro somewhere maybe 60 years old when he writes 1 Peter. Folks, that's an old man in that day. The life expectancy was about 40-something. So here we have Peter in his 60s. What did he write? What did he say? 1 Peter 1, verse 12. I'll read. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things in which angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your mind for action. Peter's a man of action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in all your behavior. Peter is remembering. Now I'm going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Therefore I encourage the elders among you as your fellow elder... Pastors, elders are all elders. They're working together. They're all equal. I encourage the elders among you as your fellow elder in witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also the glory that is be revealed. Notice the words now. What is he encouraging the elders to do? Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for gain, but with eagerness nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Did Peter get the message? I think he did. He wrote the books of First and Second Peter to help hurting people. He wrote to help people in their suffering. And it's been said if you... If you preach to a hurting and suffering people, you will always have a congregation because we all have that. 
Could Peter have written the letters without suffering himself? Yes, but because he did suffer, he can write in a much more powerful way. The letters are addressed to people who are going through a lot of trouble, and God used it in Peter's life to help them. Now, it's going to challenge Peter. It's going to sanctify Peter. How in the world can Peter talk to us about patience and trials and suffering because he lived through it? He went through it himself, knowing that he would die at some point a painful death. So Jesus is preparing Peter for his life work. He will follow Jesus, and he will be the sympathetic writer of 1 Peter. What do we find in 1 Peter? In the Gospels, we find a young man with all the answers, headstrong, correcting Jesus. In 1 Peter, we find an older man who is tender, sympathetic, sympathetic with hurting people. So Peter did follow Jesus. The Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, I skipped verse 19. Why did I do that? I want to go back there now. Got to get back in verse 19. In verse 19, we see that a believer's death should glorify the Lord. Have you thought about your death? How do you you want to die? Do you want your death to glorify the Lord? That's what we see here. Now, let's go back and look at verse 19. Peter's now shocked. He's going to live to be an older man, but he's going to die a painful death for the Lord. Then Jesus said, now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would die. No, signifying what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. A church history tells us Peter was crucified but that he said, I'm not worthy to die the way my Lord died. Crucify me upside down. I, I, I can't give you chapter and verse on that, but I believe, I believe it's true. That's a very different man than we find in the Gospels. Jesus' goal is to bring out the very best in you and me, and he knows how to do it. Now, some of us, for some of us, that might mean Sickness, disappointments, heartaches, some of us it may not mean that, but he knows what you need, and his goal is to bring out the best in you and the best in me. Now, let's go to verse 23. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only, if I want him to remain until I come... What is that to you? So that disciple, being John, is the one that this story or this rumor went around, and it was spread, that, and this is the same man that's writing the gospel, this book of John. So the rumor probably came from the disciples themselves because they were there, they heard it. So Jesus' answer to Peter's question went on to be very misunderstood among God's people. I can only imagine that as as John went out, lived his life, someone would come up to John and say, oh, you're the one that the Lord said would not die until he came back. And I can just hear John now, no, that's not what I, that's not what he said. And then John would, would have to straighten the guy out. 
So I can, I can hear John now. I've been dealing with this for years, so now I'm going to write it in this book, and I'm going to set the record straight. So what can we learn from that? A lot of problems are caused by confused believers. A lot of problems are caused by confused believers. Now, in one way, John did live until the Lord came back. He lived to see the visions in Revelation. Jesus appeared to John in the book of Revelation. So he did live until Jesus came back. By the time John writes this letter, many scholars believe that Peter has been dead and gone for a while. Maybe that's why John's comfortable to write it now. But Peter is a picture of all of us when he asked this question. Lord, why don't I have what he has? Why, why, why can't I have her IQ and be as smart as she is? Why can't I do that, Lord? Why can't I have his money, his health, his family, her career? Why can't I have the good looks that guy has over there? We need to go and do what the Lord has for us to do. All right, let's go to verse 24. This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. So this is John's official testimony. It's, it's like a courtroom scene, and the theme of a witness runs throughout this entire book. In fact, we find it 47 times in this book. So he writes, we know. Who's he talking about? Well, he may be just talking about himself when he said we, because in the Greek there's something known as an editorial we, where you're writing in the single, but you're using the plural. But on the other hand, he could be talking about we, meaning the elders at Ephesus. John and the elder, elders working as one team together. Do you ever wonder how you got your Bible? Well, church history tells us that the elders at Ephesus collected the Gospels. They collected Matthew, Mark, Luke, now John's Gospel, and they would put them together. And at the same time, there were others who were collecting the sayings of Jesus, and they would collect those sayings, and they would put them together. And that's how we start to have the Bible that we have today. But as we read this section... When he said we, I think he's talking of himself. I think he's speaking of John, saying, I was an eyewitness. I was one of Jesus' closest friends. I wrote all of this. Now, why does he think he needs to add this? Because he's a good Jew, and he's taken an oath before the Lord. I'm not lying. I'm taking an official oath and say that we know this testimony is true. Now, look at verse 25. And there are also many other things which Jesus did. Now, notice that you know, I said last week, John's the detail person. Peter's the, big, Peter's the big picture guy. Now, John sounds a little bit like Peter here. And the, many other things which Jesus did, which if were written in detail, I suppose even the whole world would not contain the books that would be written. Doesn't that sound a little bit like Peter? Maybe Peter rubbed off a little bit on John. John rubbed off a little bit on Peter. We all know it's like that. Whoever you're around is going to influence you. But he sounds like Peter. Many other things Jesus did. 
John has read Matthew. He knows Matthew is the gospel written to the Jews to show the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. He's read Mark, and he knows he knows, sees Jesus as a servant. He's read Luke, where he sees Jesus as a man. And John is telling us, that's just the beginning. This gospel of John covers, it only covers 20 days in a three-year ministry of Jesus. So John's only given us the tip of the iceberg. I'm only telling you part of the story. He's a good witness. He was with Jesus from the beginning, and now, years later, he writes, it's true. Now, there's enough here to leave an unbeliever without excuse. And there's enough to show the most committed believer the challenges that he needs and the life he needs to live. Enough to satisfy the soul of a committed believer. But John, how could you leave something out? Because I don't have time to write everything that Jesus did. It's enough. We can't master what's here. We can't even master this. Now, who was it? Was it Paul Harvey that said something like, now for the rest of the story? Am I right on that? Was it Paul Harvey that said that? Okay, some heads are shaking. If John is telling us it's going to take all of eternity for you to learn the rest. So we have a lot to look forward to in heaven, folks. Listen to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know what that chapter is, the great chapter on love. Thirteen, Chapter 13, verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also fully been known. Now, when we went through Job, I want to show you, it's my intention to give you truth, not make any mistakes, but folks, I'm not perfect in this. And I'm going to give you things from time to time that might not be exactly right. When we went through Job, and I love Job, I said to you, Job didn't know why he went through what he went through. And I said to you that I thought when he got to heaven, he still didn't know. Well, Stuart challenged me on that, and I think he was right. I was wrong. I told you something here that probably wasn't right. In this verse, he didn't get, Stuart didn't give me the verse, but I think this verse says it. Think about it with Job in mind. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. So I, I've changed my position on that. I think Job does know why he went through what he went through. So John is telling us long before Paul Harvey, now for the rest of the story, you'll get it in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you were so patient with this headstrong guy, Peter. And what you then went on to accomplish through him, we give you the credit, the glory, as I know Peter would himself.